You're listening to Strange by Nature, your guide to the strange, weird, unbelievable, and improbable wonders of the natural world. Hello, everyone. Thanks for being here today. I am Kirk Mona, and I am joined today by Rachel Ginza and Victoria Thompson. We are all professional naturalists who together have scoured the world for weird and wonderful wonders just to please your mammalian brain's desire for novelty. Isn't that nice? Let's do this. All right, so I get to start this week, and I have a, I'm going to start off with a question for everybody. So picture um, a loud animal and what comes to mind. A lion. A lion. Nice. Good one. A goose. I mean, a lot of animals make sounds uh, with their voice, and you name two that you know make them with their voice. But animals have other ways of making sounds as well. Like woodpeckers will drum on trees, birds will flap their wings and make some sounds with their wings. Um, you can also, if you're an insect, like you can rub your wings together. Crickets do something called stridulation, uh, which is where they rub their you know their rough body parts together and makes kind of that chirping sound. They, they uh, so rub their which body parts together? Their legs. They're, no, they're wings. wings. They're wings. I knew this. I swear. You said I legs. That was me. I'm sorry. I'm going to turn that's, in my natural. That's okay. Card. That's okay because, you know, a lot of the different insects will use different combinations of legs and wings to make a lot of those noises. So uh, totally forgivable there. Um, oh. Now, Terrible nature has found many ways to make noises uh, because making noises is useful. You know, you can uh, find a mate through noises. You can signal danger, like get away. I think of like a rattlesnake shaking its tail. So sounds are pretty useful. And when I asked about loud noises, though, what you were probably not picturing was water boatmen. What? Were you picturing a water boatman? They make noise. I was not. <laughs> You're right. They make noise. Now, some of the people who are listening probably don't even know what a water boatman is. Um, between the three of us as professional naturalists, we've probably seen thousands of water boatmen um, but the listeners haven't so I want to paint a picture for you water boatmen are small uh, aquatic insects in here where we live in Minnesota they get maybe about half an inch long uh, they can be much smaller than that as well they look a little bit like a beetle to the average person um, they're actually in the group hemiptera or the true bugs along with like stink bugs and bed bugs and many others they're generally kind of a dark brown or maybe even black sometimes have faint side to side little stripes on them they're not um not real you know showy insects except for one really cool feature they have which is they have their six legs because they're an insect two of them stick out to the side like giant boat oars and they can sort of paddle their way around which is where they get the name water boatmen super cool thing about them they are air breathers um, but they live underwater so they actually carry an air bubble with them at all times for breathing and they as they use up oxygen from the mm. bubble new oxygen actually diffuses into the bubble from the water around them Ooh, which I did is not so know that. cool yeah, yeah. And then, like, all the CO2 they're exhaling actually dissolves into the water from the bubble as the levels build up. So they actually maintain the correct mixture of gases in that bubble without having to go get a new one, which just blows my mind. I wish we could do that. That'd be really cool. Uh, Makes now they have really easy. They, yeah, they have much lower oxygen needs than we do and stuff. So it, it's, you know, not probably not as big a deal. 
Now, there's a bunch of really strange things about water boatmen. And as interpretive naturalists, uh, we all get to teach like kids and families and stuff about their awesome adaptation. But there's one that you don't hear naturalists talk about. Uh, and it has to do with what I started talking about, which was animals making large, uh, loud noises. The water boatman is actually one of the loudest animals on Earth. I'm but, sorry. No. <laughs> I've seen plenty of right now. water boatmen, and I've never heard one. And they've never made not, a sound, right? Not a so single here's, noise. Here's the deal, right? Um, it's a bit of a cheat when I say that, because they are loudest relative to their body size. And you're like, oh, okay, okay. But they're still is. extraordinarily loud. Hold on, though. It's still impressive. The particular species I'm talking about is one that we don't have in, in where we live. Uh, the one that's been, been actually measured and studied is in the UK, and it's known as Micronecta schlatzi. Uh, and this specific species is actually smaller than the ones that I think the three of us are familiar with. They're only two millimeters long. What? So this is a that's real yeah, small. really tiny water boatman. But this tiny water boatman can make a sound that has been measured at 99.2 decibels. Wow. That's wow. now, can you give us I'm a put, comparison? I absolutely can I know because that's a people lot. don't know what that means. A loud vacuum cleaner is about 70 decibels, right? A garbage disposal is about 80. A diesel train from like 100 feet away is 83. Because it's, it's a logarithmic scale, right? It's a logarithm ah. scale, right. So it's just going up a very small amount gets exponentially sort of, you know, um, well, logarithmically louder. Um <laughs> A propeller plane, propeller prop different plane, a thousand feet overhead is 88 decibels. A Boeing 737, right? One mile away from you on landing approach is 97 decibels. <laughs> so this is louder than that. Um, so what's about the same loudness for comparison? Standing next to a garbage truck, uh, outboard motor on a boat right next to you, a jackhammer, or my personal favorite, a helicopter hovering 100 feet over your head. Now, there could be thousands of these in a pond, right? So you're going, hold on, I've been to a lot of ponds. I don't remember like a thousand helicopters hovering overhead type noise coming from that pond. Not and really, that's no. because water attenuates the sound by like 99%. So most oh. of that sound is never leaving the water. If you were very close to the water, you might hear a very faint little chirping noise, but it's, it's going to be something that humans are not going to be hearing because we're not underwater. Uh, so the water is going to attenuate most of that sound. And uh, the most amazing thing I think, though, is, is not that they make this super loud sound. That is amazing indeed, but it's how they make the noise. Now, they don't have vocal cords. They don't hammer on things like a woodpecker. Being an insect, they use uh, stridulation, like we talked about with a cricket, but they don't rub their wings together. Um, and this is probably, at this point, why this amazing fact is something that we don't teach to a lot of groups that come through. Uh, they make the sound by vigorously rubbing their penis on their abdomen. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my so, gosh. I do have something here for you. Now, the, the viewers at home, or the listeners at home cannot see this, but I do have my classic uh, farmer's washboard here. <laughs> and it has these... These, uh, you know, these bumps on it were used for washing your clothes. And if you were to rub on that washboard, it I've makes that vibrating sound. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, get your spoons out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that sound is basically a stridulation. And, and that's what they're doing with their penis. Now, <laughs> What about the females? Uh, hey. I, yeah, what about the females? No, they're, they're, not, they're not impressed because, uh, mm. well, maybe they are. But like I got to tell you, remember I said that this creature is only two millimeters long? 
the length of its penis is the same as the width of a human hair. Let That's that sink pretty in. pretty small. Yeah, Rachel's looking at one of her hairs. I'm, I'm looking oh, yep, at one of my hair small. right now. That's pretty... Uh, so that's... we're talking about a very, very teeny, tiny uh, member. That so is being he's used... compensating is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, he's, he's oh, compensating. Um, actually, this particular insect has been dubbed the singing penis, which I think is... Uh, <laughs> Quite that an is amazing my favorite name. name. <laughs> I know. I love uh, that. It's amazing. Um, so now I do have to say, I do not know if this applies to all water boatmen. So it may not apply to the ones we have here in the United States. Uh, it's a fairly new fact. So I'm not sure that a lot of people have really studied this. I was able to find some research that suggests that um, a lot of water boatmen have structures on their legs for doing stridulation with their legs. Um, so it, it may be that different water striders use different parts of their body, but there's at least one in the world that we know of that can make a 99.2 decibel sound with its penis on its abdomen. I don't know what to do with that information, Kirk. And I don't, other than this podcast, anyone I tell, they're either going to be amazed because they're naturalist friends or like my roommates who work at a bank are going to look at me like I am absolutely insane. <laughs> well, that, that's how you weed out the people who are listeners of the podcast or not is if, if they hear that and go, that's amazing. I want to hear more of that. Or they're like, hmm, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thanks well, for sharing. Rachel, you're it's a welcome. Yeah. Rachel, you've got a story for us and we're going to hear it right after this break. Kirk here with a quick note. If you're enjoying the show, be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. It helps other lovers of The Strange find our show. You can also find and follow us on social media. Search for Strange by Nature Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or come visit us at strangebynaturepodcast.com. We'll see you there. Now, back to the show. All righty. Now, we're going, for my story this week, what we're going to do is we're going to stick within our lakes and ponds. And this might be something that you both have seen. Um, they're fairly common around where we are. They're pretty common all throughout the entire North American continent. There's 20 different species that occur in freshwater. Uh, this week, I'm going to be talking about the freshwater bryozoan. Ooh. Oh. Nice. Yeah. So freshwater bryozoan is often known as a moss animal. They are a microscopic colony of aquatic invertebrates. So they live in colonies. So pretty much what happens is there's a bunch of little microscopic tiny invertebrates that build an exoskeleton very similar to a coral. Um, the ones I'm talking about that we most often see, uh, especially around where we are, they build something that looks like a big gelatinous slime ball. It honestly looks like something like alien snot or something from outer space. It's absolutely crazy. And every single person I've ever talked to or have shown a bryozoan, they're like, they one never want to touch it ever. <laughs> <laughs> Not as I was holding one for a presentation um, this past summer. And oh my goodness, my friend's mom was like, how could you handle touching that? That looks absolutely disgusting. And I will tell you, it was slippery and it stuck to my hands because it secretes like a mucous membrane. Lovely. And it's real gross. 
it's real yeah that's gross. gonna turn off most people yeah, Rachel. pretty much most people right um, um i'm gonna be i'm gonna be honest i'm feeling like a bad naturalist here i i haven't heard of this creature Ooh. before and i've never held one or seen one we're gonna we're gonna fix that we will find one this summer and uh, have victoria hold it and get it up on our instagram account Oh, absolutely. I know where we can find a bunch of them. Um, Part of the reason why you might not have seen one, Victoria, is they're actually pretty sensitive to pollution. Um, They're what we know um, as naturalists. We call them, um, what's the word? Not pollution control. They're um, intolerant indicators. Indicator species. Thank you, Victoria. So yeah, they're an indicator species on the pollution levels of the water. So I these can't, are freshwater invertebrates. Rachel, I can't help break in and yeah. say I I feel like you're throwing some shade at Victoria, like she only hangs out in polluted water. Is that is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I know that where Victoria has worked before, I've only seen them a handful of times, and most of them were at the last nature center I was at. I hadn't ever seen them at. Uh, the place that we all worked at a few years ago. I'd never seen them before then. Um, so they're pretty, they're not rare, but they're not as common as they used to be. Uh, so not only do they build like these exoskeletons um, that are similar to corals, what happens is their exoskeleton, I'm holding up my hand, so it's very helpful on a audio podcast. Wonderful. Uh, they make a type of U-shaped cup uh, with their exoskeleton. And... The little microscopic bryozoan, the individual, are called zoids, which does not help with the <laughs> alien impersonation. That's, I'm sure it's not zoidbergs. It's just zoids. It's just zoid. <laughs> zoid. And awesome. What they do is they hang out. You can actually see them when you lift uh, this gelatinous rounded mass out of the water. Um, they are little microscopic dots on the bryozoan and they are at the bottom of this cup and they actually have a this sleeve-like structure this cup-like structure and above them is this massive organs called a poly a polypied and at the opening of the cysted or the the vase cup-like structure it allows the organs the polypied to extend outward into like a crown of tentacles to filter the food because they're filter feeders. Right so now, Rachel is waving her fingers above her head like <laughs> little helpful. tentacled. Wait, no, I wish I had a yes. screenshot I mean, of that. It, it's a crown of tentacles, you know? Uh, we will, again, we will, we'll get a picture of one of these uh, up on Instagram <laughs> oh, absolutely. to coincide with this episode coming out. I've also heard them described as looking like a jelly brain. Under Pretty the, much. Uh, under they the do look very similar. A lot of people will confuse them to corals because while they aren't exactly the same um, and they're not necessarily related either, they have a very similar structure to corals. Now, they can, on top of being a rounded like jelly mass, which is more common for us, they also can create uh, some species create something with a with chitin, 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 uh, which is the, like the shells of insects. And those resemble a lot of mosses or different antlers. And both of these things can only grow when they're attached to some sort of structure, like a rock or a submerged branch. 
and I having seen them, they absolutely look just bizarre and it looks like something <laughs> like blue like a giant blew his nose and just discard used like or took a stick and shoved it up his nose and then took the booger and just dropped it in a lake or a stream. That is a it's, good that's a good thank description. You for that that's dead image, on. Rachel. Spot on. Thank you. Thank you. Uh anytime. Uh, the only other thing I wanna touch on is that they are Bryozoans are found on every single continent except for Antarctica. A lot of them are marine. But and only one class lives in freshwater, and in North America, I think I said this earlier, we have about twenty species that occur here. I just, they're insane. I <laughs> have really cool I have see. technically found saltwater bryozoans uh, here in Minnesota. Really? Now, oh, the fossils. They, that's right. They because that they kind of goes back to my topic me. last week of the living fossils and whatnot. Uh, bryozoans aren't technically a living fossil because there's more than one like species of them still alive. Uh, but mm-hmm. they go back. Uh, the they ones I found are 450 years. million years, uh, at least. Mm-hmm. The ones that we've They're uh, an found. They're ancient, ancient class. Yeah. They, looked, they look different. Like the bryozoans you find in, uh, from the Ordovician in Minnesota are not those brain-like ones. They're, more, they're even more coral-looking, like little like antler horns like you were talking about. But very, yeah. very cool. And that completely makes sense. So that's my topic for this week. Thanks for sharing. Awesome. When we come back, it will be Victoria's turn. All right, guys. I didn't learn my lesson from last week. I picked another animal that is so weird and has so many things about it that I created a problem for myself and I can only talk about a little bit of the many, many things that is weird that are weird about this animal. Maybe you'll do like a, 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 a version two at some point, you know, just expand on the topic. Uh, I might well. <laughs> um, so this is going to be a very aquatic episode because mm. my animal also lives in the water. This is a marine An animal. An aquatic hat trick. Mm. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> So imagine that you live in the ocean and you have no shell. Sounds dangerous. You have, yeah, you have no bones. You have no spiny fins to protect yourself. You're squishy, tasty, delicious flesh. You should be easy play, right? Yeah. Well, when, you've, when you see an animal like this that appears defenseless, watch out. Um, animals like this often are either very good at hiding, are venomous, or are very smart. Mm-hmm. And this creature is all three. Awesome. Ooh, um, any intrigued. guesses so far? Uh, I have one. Yeah, I've, I'm kind of going down like the jellyfish road. That's where my yeah. brain is at. Yeah, jellyfish. Okay, a few more clues. Okay. This animal has blue blue blood. Oh. Not that unusual for yeah. marine creatures, but no. pretty weird. Um has been the inspiration for sea monsters of many different cultures. Um, they also have three hearts and nine uh, brains. I know what this is. Is it the octopus? It is ah, the octopus. That's what I was going to say, too. Awesome. Yes. Yeah, you, okay. we could do I an entire like three-month series on the octopus, but go for it. 
Seriously, oh, I think I'm going to have to do another episode about their intelligence because they are highly mm. intelligent in some really, really cool ways. I'm not going to talk about that much today. Um, I'm going to talk about the other two things. I'll, um, so it's it's pretty well known uh, among people who know these kinds of facts that one of the most poison or one of those venomous creatures in the world is um, the blue spotted octopus, uh, blue ringed octopus, I should blue say. Uh, there are okay. four species. Uh, in the Pacific and Indian Oceans. And uh, they're extremely toxic. They can kill 26 people with one bite of their venom. I'm um, sorry, what? Yeah. I mean, they'd have to go around biting a lot of people, but there's enough venom there to kill 26 people. Um, you stop breathing. Uh, it's a it's a toxin called tetrodotoxin that is actually the same one that's found in pufferfish, which is a Japanese delicacy oh, yeah. that you have to be very, very careful little, uh, eating. little fugu. Yeah. Nice. Um, and actually, it turns out, they only found this out about 10 years ago, that all octopuses are venomous. What? And they use that venom to paralyze their prey. Yeah. Wow. They're not, they don't have as much venom as the blue-ringed octopus, but um, they all have a bit. Uh, but one of the really strange things about this venom is... You know, you think an octopus and a and a fish, like a puffer fish, are not very closely related. An octopus is a mollusk. Right. Um, it's related to squid and and uh, cuttlefish and nautiluses. But there are other species in the animal kingdom that also have this toxin, um, and they range from other mollusks, other types of fish, some crustaceans, some starfish, some amphibians. And different types of worms of different phyla, which is a very high up category. Yeah, wow. And so these really, really diverse range of creatures all have the same toxin, tetrodotoxin. Well, scientists are just starting to figure out that this may actually be because all of these creatures may harbor the same type of bacteria <gasps> no. that create the toxin. What? Yes. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, we love convergent evolution. <laughs> It's really, they're having a hard time figuring out because it's actually quite hard to um, reliably detect the toxin in a creature. Mm. But uh, they think in some cases it may be a symbiotic bacteria um, living in specific parts. Like if, it, if the octopus has a symbiont, it would be probably in their salivary gland so they can bite. Um, in other cases, they think it's magnified up the food chain. So little plankton will eat the bacteria and then the Plankton are eaten by little fish and larger fish and so on and so forth. Um, this is something the science is still figuring out, but it is uh, super cool. So watch out for those octopus. They, uh, they could get you. The other part I want to talk about is their camouflage. Now, it's pretty well known that, that octopuses can camouflage, but I want to get into some of the details here because it's really amazing. Um, so all octopuses can do this. Uh, the ones that are in lighter parts of the ocean have more camouflage capability. Um, and they have five different colors that they can use, uh, yellow, orange, red, brown, and black. And they have these things called chromatophores in their skin. It's like a little balloon, and they can control it with their muscles. If the balloon expands, the color appears. If it contracts, it disappears. Uh, most species have two to four of these colors that they can use. And they also, some of them have these... Um, they're called iridophores, so like the blue ring on the octopus is uh, an iridescent uh, cell as well, and then they have white ones. Um, and so they can change the color 
almost instantaneously to match their background, which is just amazing. If you've seen, go go look up some videos of this online if you haven't seen it's it before. It's astonishing. And they can also poke out little bumps on their skin called papillae, and they can make it in the shape of algae or coral or rock or um, whatever texture they happen to be with. And not only can they do this to just blend in with where they happen to be hanging out, but if they have to cross an area of the seafloor that is exposed, where they could be um, eaten by something else, they will make themselves look like a piece of algae or a rock and move so slowly that it looks like they are not moving at all. They just kind of sway in there gently in the in the current and m- millimeter by millimeter making their way across this, this area. Taking their but, sweet time, huh? The the ruler of all the octopus uh, camouflagers is the mimic octopus, which not only can do all these things, it can also mimic the shape and movement of other species. So it can make itself look like a lionfish, a sea snake by hiding six of its mm-hmm. limbs and sticking the other two out. And um, the apparently the, their most favorite uh, their most favorite uh, thing to to. Uh, imitate as a flatfish like a flounder and they can go I, w- I was about to say i've seen them mimic a flounder before and that was absolutely crazy to see it looked very obviously i could tell that it was an octopus but you have to look really close to, to mm-hmm. see the difference the weirdness of the octopus is boundless that is what i have for you today i wish we could talk about this more because i have a lot of feelings about octopus and I very much, I think I'm pretty positive it's on my list as well to talk about. Well, it'll be it'll be a race between the two of you to see who can uh, come up with the next octopus uh, session of chatting here in the podcast, I guess. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening to today's show. Be sure to subscribe. New episodes drop every Wednesday, and we love sharing this strange world with all of our listeners. If you would be so kind as to leave us a five-star review, that would be great. It lets other lovers of The Strange discover the show. You can reach out to us on social media by searching for Strange by Nature Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can send us an email as well. Our address is contact at strangebynaturepodcast.com. If you want more information about the show, you can also check out our website, which is strangebynaturepodcast.com. Until next week, get outside, stay curious, and embrace The Strange.